Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Life Like a Movie podcast. This podcast is all about how we can create consciously our own lives. And the thing that blocks many of us from doing that is trauma, is events from our past that make it very hard to imagine, to create, to explore, to feel expansive, and to create from a place of love. And so our guest today is Lauren Ba. And I'm extremely excited to talk to her because she is an expert on trauma. She can share with us working with CPTSD patients. Uh, what trauma is and how it affects us today. And I'm so excited to have her on the show. When we were just talking beforehand, um, I gave her my definition of trauma, which we'll get into in a second. And she's challenging me, challenging my definition. And I'm so happy to share this because trauma is, I think, a thing that that is, it's not so, so clear necessarily. Um, and there's this, a beautiful conversation that we're starting to see happening around trauma. And I'm very excited to get a clear definition for what it is today from Lauren. So thank you so much for taking the time for this podcast. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to, to share. Um, I, I speak to anybody who will listen. This yes, is, I feel you. This is the rest of my life purpose is to educate and help people recover from trauma. That's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I lo- I'd love to start, like my first question for you was what is trauma? And um, the definition that I gave you when you asked me was a stressful event where a person mm-hmm. feels in danger, yet they feel helpless to defend themselves. Um, and I would love now, cause she's challenging my definition, what your definition of trauma is and how you might challenge mine. Okay. Well, um, so trauma, people most often consider trauma to be an event. Uh, that mm. is the common definition. The adversity, however, is not the trauma. The trauma is the impact of the adversity on how the brain stores memory how the nervous system responds and becomes stuck in the fight, flight, freeze mode. And also it becomes memories in our nervous system and our muscles. And so what a trigger is, is those, well, a a trigger is actually the way the brain processes memories from adversity. And when you talk about danger, that is actually the underlying factor that creates trauma is this sense of danger. And so when people experience danger, threat, terror, um, what happens is that that memory is stored differently in the brain than a non-traumatic memory. So the reason it's different, number one, is it's stored in a different part of the memory. It's stored in a different part of the brain, right? It's stored in the midbrain. And uh, because it's stored in the midbrain, that's where our limbic system begins. And that is where our fight, flight, freeze mechanism is, is in our midbrain and in our brainstem. Yes. And so those the flashbacks people have, the fact that some people don't remember a lot about their childhood, that's, that's a mechanism of the way trauma is stored. And a flashback is actually part of an experience. Uh, It's, they call it fragmented memory. Yes. So like a person might just hear like, so a person might just hear like the audio or one flash of an image from the event. It wouldn't be like a coherent Start of the story, middle of the story, end of the story type memory. Is that correct? Exactly. And trauma therapy is bringing all of those pieces together. 
and that and that is done in the brain through brain-based therapies and other forms like um things like neurofeedback and emdr brain spotting there's a there's a lot of them um and also uh you know the release of memories from the nervous system the uh allowing the nervous system to come to a place of safety yep so that people don't become reactive yes right and um there's so much. <laughs> There's, yeah, there, there, is, there is so much. I feel that. And first of all, I love your passion when it comes to speaking about this. I can feel it through the camera here. Um, yeah. What I'd like to just a, a question about where, where are normal memories stored? If a traumatic memory is stored more in our mi midbrain at the start of the limbic system, where would a, a normal memory say like I had a pleasurable experience, like my birthday party when I was 10 years old, is that stored in a different part of the brain? Well, so memory is stored in, um, there's there's kind of like the the thinking brain i'll call it the thinking brain which is the oldest part of the brain which is where you um like your prefrontal cortex like your cortex is where your thoughts are stored yep. there is some memory i mean memory functions even when they go in what even when it's dominated in the thinking brain there are some uh functions that take place in the midbrain the difference is how it's stored. It's traumatic memory is stored in fragments and bits and pieces, right? And so what's necessary to heal trauma or restore someone from trauma is to take those memory fragments and kind of reconnect them yes. and process through the fragments of memory so that it, it, once it's processed through, uh, it just becomes a memory rather than a memory with a trigger attached to it. Okay. So it's the, it's the piecing together of the fragmented memory that takes away the emotional charge to the event. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that's what happens like in our, in our, our neural, like with our neural pathways, there are networks that uh, are created from the very beginning of life. Yes. And so what happens, one of the one of the basic components of trauma that begins in childhood is um, relational development. Yes. It's when a baby cries it, you know, if a baby learns that it can cry and its need will be met and it will be nurtured and, and that baby will be talked so sweetly to and they will be loved and taken care of even within just a, a reasonable degree, right? Yep. Um, what that does is it lays down a network of neural pathways or kind of thought processes, a network of, it lays down a network that builds trust, creates trust. The world is a happy place. Yeah. I am safe. Um, I am loved. And what that does is it helps that child to, it lays down the pathways to be able to uh, develop relationships into adulthood. And it also lays down, um, it, it creates an environment for the nervous system 
to feel safe and therefore not be reactive. Like some people you'll see, they have very reactive anger or mm -hmm. they're very reactive in their fear yes. or they tend toward really strong tendency toward negative thinking. So yep. it's early childhood attachment that we begin to develop that sense of I am safe. I am loved. The world is a good place. And those people go on to have, you know, pretty stable lives in their emotions and in their relationships and the way they view the world. But people who don't experience that become what we would consider kind of like emotionally unstable. Yeah. They would develop, you know, different relationship patterns that would make it very difficult for, for productive relationships to be formed and maintained. Okay. Yeah. Thank so you for most, sharing. The most basic element of trauma is actually a relational disconnection. Yes. 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 And, and, and that is our, that is our most basic, uh, that is the most basic experience of safety. Yes. Yes. And, and I, I believe Gabo Mate, he says that the essence of trauma is the disconnection from ourselves. Yes. We're talking about relationships. Yes. And, and yes. And so again, it's not, it's, I'll, I'll say it this way. So we have our thoughts, we have our emotions, yep. we have our physical sensations, and some will say we have a spirit. Yes. Trauma is all of those things being disconnected right? And working against one another in many ways. So say, for example, yeah. somebody let our culture is very left is very um, cognitive, you know, we, we are very thinking driven, yeah. right? And so and what happens with trauma is we become, you know, kind of hyper focused on our thoughts, and we become um, disconnected from our emotions yeah for people who have experienced physical assault or sexual assault the body becomes an unsafe place and that triggers the nervous system to stay stuck in a place of needing to protect and that becomes ptsd and then the complex ptsd is formed when the relational detachment is present and then, of course, you know, there's the spiritual as well. And, you know, a lot of people embrace that. So yes, wholeness and healing comes in the integration or the functioning of those four pieces working together. Yes. And that's the nature of trauma therapy. In my mind, as a trauma therapist, my goal is to help my clients um learn to function with an integrated thought life, emotion life, physical life, and spiritual life. Yes, understood. And I, and I would love to talk about what it, what it takes to bring these four worlds together. Um, and I also just want to mention for anybody who's listening, who's like, well, I'm not, I'm not even a traumatized person. That, those are just for you know someone who might be a, a drug addict only. But I'd like you to explain like, how trauma isn't just someone who was physically abused, but all the emotional abuse, um, all the, maybe, maybe the forms of abuse, if you could touch on that aren't trauma, someone goes to war in Vietnam, 
of course that maybe that person will have trauma. It's easy for us to understand, but maybe just dad being in the home, but sitting on the couch and not talking to me, we don't necessarily look at that as trauma. Um, so maybe if you could explain a few of the ways that we can develop trauma, the, the basics of how we develop this. I love that question. I love that question because you're right. So many people consider, well, you know, I, I wasn't sexually abused or, you know, I wasn't uh, beat up or whatever. Um, and the fact of the matter is trauma is about not feeling safe. Trauma develops because there's a sense of loss and a loss of safety. Yes. So say, for example, um, let's say, for example, somebody grows up uh, with a parent in the military. Okay. So if a parent, if, if somebody from the military goes away, um, or, you know, someone from the military goes away, and that relationship is severed, that that person, that child can develop trauma in the sense that there was there was a severing of an important relationship. Yes. So I'm I'm gonna pull there's a study called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. Okay. Now this was um this was a, a landmark study, I think back in the 1990s, and it was it was done in conjunction um with one of the uh with the Oh, I can't remember which research branch, but one of the research branches and uh, Kaiser Permanente, which is um, an insurance company. And so what they did is they came up with this questionnaire and they, they specified 10 types of abuse or they, adversity, really. It's called the Adverse Childhood Experiences Study. So what they came up with is um, abuse, which could be physical abuse, sexual abuse, or emotional abuse, mm -hmm. neglect, which could be physical neglect or emotional neglect, which would be the father who doesn't talk to you, right? Um, and then household dysfunction, they talked about a family member with mental illness, a family member that was incarcerated, uh, substance, a family member with substance abuse, domestic violence, and divorce. So divorce and what was that last that one? Divorce. Uh, divorce. Divorce, yes. And so for the person who says, I haven't experienced trauma, Divorce is a category of trauma. Yes. If that if 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 one of the family members disappears, even for a period of time, that is a traumatic event. So, for example, um, when I was young, when I was four years old, um, my my brother and I went to live with my father and my grandparents because my mother moved to California for a year. And when she came back and she did not stay in touch with us. So that was a true abandonment, right? And that, yes. that created a lot of trauma for us, for my brother and I. Yes. So what they found with this study 
is that the more experiences of adversity that they studied here, the more likely that person would grow up to, to experience addiction, mental illness, uh, relationship problems, suicide, all of these things that we consider to be behavior problems actually were manifested as a result. So the other thing that they found is that chronic disease, illness developed yeah. as a result of this adversity as well. And they found out that for the highest, for the people with the highest numbers of experiences here, they had the possibility of their lifespan being shortened by up to 20 years, on average 20 years, actually. Wow. Now, this is, let me tell you something that's really interesting about this study. This study was done on people who had health insurance, predominantly white, predominantly middle class and employed, at, at least middle class and employed, right? This study does not take into consideration growing up in the adversity of poverty, yep. experiencing discrimination, yep. living in an environment uh, like a community where there's violence, bullying, what goes on in social media for kids today, right? None of that was oh. tested, but yet all of that is included. Yes. Yes. And, so, and, and. Oh, no, Go please ahead. keep going. Oh, okay, I was just gonna say, like, I feel like what you're what you're driving at here with this is that this is for white middle class people, so very the privileged test. people, we could say. And yeah, so, what what I'm hearing from you is that it's really emotional abuse, these traumatic experiences that can create physical illness. And if a person is is discriminated, if a person has more poverty or more more scarcity or more fear around them the more likely they are to develop these. And if we're seeing numbers for people that are privileged, oh my goodness, imagine numbers for people that have even less privilege. Right. And exactly, exactly. This, this study um, didn't even touch the tip of the iceberg for what, for, for human existence. It does, didn't talk about war. It, you know, it didn't talk about natural disasters. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, let me say one thing, because you, you, you brought up something, and that is the, the, the distinguishing factors between PTSD and complex PTSD. Okay, yeah. Okay, so this, what I'm going to share with you, um, these are my ideas based on some research that I did for a presentation I did a couple years ago. I define PTSD right, as someone being in a situation where they felt physical loss of safety, right? That could be combat, that could be in a, in a war zone, living in a war zone, living in a, a violent community. It could be, um, you know, being being involved with a natural disaster like a hurricane or something like that, and your life being threatened in some way. Yeah. Complex PTSD, from what I've researched, um, 
is brings more of the developmental, the childhood stuff, the relational stuff, right? And so, and and let me give you an example. Um, I used to work in a in a, in a treatment center with uh, veterans and active military and first responders. There was a gentleman that that was there, and you know he was there for an addiction as many of them were. And one of the things that I noticed about him is that his recovery was quite quick. And we we had conversation. It was very clear that he had he had very strong parental relationship. He was not there for complex PTSD, unlike a lot of the people that were there. But it was remarkable to me how quickly he was able to recover, so to speak, and grasp the concepts because he didn't have the underlying relational problems. Now, the mm. PTSD that he developed as, a, as the result of being in combat created relational problems, uh, yes. right? But he didn't have the relational problems before the PTSD developed, and so therefore... His recovery was quicker. It was easier for him. People wow. with the relational, people with the complex PTSD that don't get the relational foundations that they need early on in life, that is a lot longer road for recovery because what happens is that relational care that they receive, that, that a child receives when it's good relational care, it lays down a, a, a set of networks Again, life is good. You know, my needs are going to be met. I can trust the world's a happy place, right? But people who don't receive that kind of basic loving care, nurture, they, they don't have the same neural networks that say life is good. They, 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 life is frightening. Life is scary, yes. right? Yes. And, and there's, they can't trust. And so they don't have the ability to engage in those relationships that are so necessary to experience safety. Right. And that's why brain-based therapies are so important because, you know, so let, if I could talk a little bit about mental health treatment, Please. right? So mental health treatment, it, it's kind of like in two categories. There's, there's, um, uh, kind of like management, like management of symptoms, learning grounding skills, uh, you know, very cognitive based, you know, changing your thought processes, things like that. That is what, you know, talk therapy, right? Those are the predominant types of treatment for people with mental health issues and even with substance abuse issues even. What makes trauma therapy different is that it doesn't, although it's important to understand how to manage symptoms while going through trauma therapy, the goal of trauma therapy is not to manage symptoms, it's to resolve the symptoms. Mm. And the only way that the symptoms are resolved is through these brain-based therapies, these somatic-based therapies, 
Yeah. Right. And uh, because what they do is they, you know, like brain-based therapies like EMDR and brain spotting, uh, neurofeedback, things like that. What they do is they establish the neural networks that were not established earlier on in life. Right. Right. And, and not having an, an, an established neural network is kind of like falling from a plane without a parachute. Wow. Yeah. Like there's nothing there to grab a hold of. Right. And right. so is this so, why, for example, Example, in, is uh, a person that hasn't, doesn't have this neural network established from a young age relationally, they get into a relationship, say they're in their 20s, they're getting into their first, you know, real relationship. And all of a sudden, you know, the person treats them really well. And there's like, there's like trust there. And there's a sense of safety. And they don't have they're like falling from a parachute. Like, what is this? I don't I don't know what this is. Ah, and they might exactly. leave. Exactly. They, they don't know how to manage it. And what happens, especially with the complex PTSD, is you, they, 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 they don't have a sense of identity. Right. So they don't know, like there's this kind of absence from being able to relate to somebody. They don't know how, because the patterns, the, the patterns were not created. I, so I, I'm trained in brain spotting and I'm trained in EMDR. Yes. So the difference between the two yes. is um, with brain spotting, you stay in the kind of the limbic area, the midbrain where the trauma is stored, where, you know, where the trauma is stored. Um, and EMDR, you, you vacillate or you, you fluctuate between the midbrain where the trauma is stored and the, and the thoughts. Right. So EMDR changes thoughts, but it also can it, it also creates neural networks. It just does it a little differently. And I love being trained in both of those treatment modalities because I can deal, I can help people resolve the problems with the nervous system and the nervous system not feeling like being stuck yep. in um I'm I'm in danger, right? right. Which is um, and it also can help release muscle memories, yep. right? Um, but the other thing, like what, and, and both can do those two things, right? Both, both the MDR and brain spotting do both of those things. What I love about being trained in both of them is that the brain spotting seems, this is through an observation, it's not from a research study, okay? Yep. Um, but what I see is that brain spotting does a really good job of establishing that network and EMDR does a wonderful job of being able to fine tune that network. It's kind of like brain spotting sets the, uh, uh, creates the foundation for a, a, a spider web. It creates the foundation. Right? Brain spotting. And yes, could you just it, it, give it a quick lays down the basic structure of a, of a spider web? I wish I could show you. Um, yeah. And then, and then what EMDR does, like you've got a you've got a spider web that I'm just going to call them circles. They're not circles, but you know you've got the different kind of circular um, points, right? And then you've got the perpendicular. I don't know how to explain that. Help me 
let's see. Uh, uh, well, maybe if we could just start with, if you could explain what brain spotting is, it might uh, help people to understand more. Okay. So what brain spotting does is brain spotting, what I do as a therapist, when I do brain spotting with a client, yes, I can either help that client learn to resource or calm, or I can help that client to activate memory to connect the fragments, mm. right? And, and that happens by locating an angle for the eye to gaze at. That's probably the most basic way of explaining it. And as if somebody gazes at that point, at that angle, the brain just by itself goes through its, and, and picks up all the fragments and puts them together. It's kind of like, it's kind of like a tennis player. Um, you know, you, you're, you're playing tennis with somebody and then you've got this person who runs and gets the tennis ball, right? Yeah. Well, no, that's a different example. I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. So the point is this, where you look is how you feel, mm. right? That's kind of one of the, that's kind of like one of the, the lines, so to speak. Um, but where you gaze, it, it, it brings together a cluster of memories and it integrates those memories, making them, instead of being fragmented, they become more cohesive and it creates that network. Oh, yes, yes. Right? And then, yes. and it creates the network because not only does like, you may start out think, you know, wanting to process, um, you know, like being at school and kids teasing you at school in kindergarten. Right. And then as you gaze at that spot, the brain kind of goes around and gathers all the, all the fragments about that. But then what brain spotting does is the brain automatically goes and deals with this other associated issue without you having to decide to do it your brain just does it okay and so and and so what emdr does it also and and so by so let me just step back to the brain spotting again so with the brain spotting because it has the ability for the brain to go from here to here to here to here that's how the network is established the brain knows what it needs. The brain knows what it needs. The brain knows what it needs to bring everything together. Yes, the brain knows what fragments go where. It's kind of like um, a filing cabinet. Let me give you a demonstration of memory. So you've got, you've got a hanging file folder and then you've got, you know, manila folders that go inside the file folder. And so this is a really important concept because it gives a really good example. So you've got, a, you, you've got this is the file folder for the main memory. I woke up this morning, right? 
this, this file folder holds all of the memory related to my waking up in the morning, making coffee, taking a shower, and going on to my first activity, right? So we're gonna say, this is my morning, this is my morning memory in this, in this hanging file folder. Uh -huh. So this manila folder is when my alarm went off. That was not a traumatic memory, although for some people waking up in the morning might be traumatic <laughs> depending on the alarm you hear. Um, but because it was not traumatic, it goes inside the file folder. Okay. And then I wake up. Um, I take a shower. That was not traumatic. So that also goes inside the file folder. Well, after my shower, I, I need to make some coffee. So I go, I start making coffee, and then I burn myself. And that's traumatic. That memory does not go inside of the hanging file folder. It becomes a fragment because it was it was traumatic. Mm. Does that make sense? Like it was it was too painful. It was it hurt too much to put it into the file folder to remember yes. that. Like I, I don't want to experience that. Ah, so it, it yes. doesn't get integrated as a memory that I experienced. I love that word integrated. That is exactly what it is. Okay. So. Um, so, so that, you know, burning, burning myself on the water, making the coffee is a traumatic memory. So it stays outside the folder. Well, then I sit down and I drink my coffee and, you know, I, I do a Bible study in the morning and that was not traumatic. That was pretty exciting, but it wasn't traumatic. <laughs> so then I decide, oh man, I am so hungry. I get up and I go to the kitchen and I burn myself making the eggs. Traumatic. That does not go inside the file folder. That goes on the outside of the file folder. Right? Okay. So here, here's my question then. Is there a way to, for me to burn myself on the eggs and it go into the file folder? Would my response to that egg burn have to be? Brain oh, spotting and EMDR. Your brain-based therapies. That's what I was going to say. Okay. So, yes. So as we do the brain-based therapies or the somatic therapies as well, right? Because it's also the nervous system and the body is involved with trauma. As those, as these experiences of being burned are processed using brain-based therapies, your brain just automatically moves these traumatic memories, which on the outside of the file folder are flashbacks or triggers. Once all of those memories are put back into the file folder, it's a memory, but there's no triggers. Understood. And there's no flashbacks. All of the, all of the symptoms of trauma have gone away. Yes. It just becomes a memory. Yes. And that's the difference between traditional therapy and trauma therapy. Okay. Thank you. That, 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 that feels very clear to me. Um, I would love to just get the essence of what it is to heal a trauma. Um, just looking at the time, I want to make sure that we can give, give um, our audience here some very crystal clear takeaways about the essence of healing trauma. So if I'm hearing you correctly, um, what a trauma is, the, the, the essence of it is this sort of disconnection 
of ourselves, but also disconnection with emotion, disconnection with, uh, with, with our family or relationships. It just feels like a lot of disconnection from certain events in our lives. So is the essence of this healing, a reconnection of a story of a memory that happened? Because all of these are memories that we're talking about, either a memory of mommy leaving me, a memory of being in war. Um, What I'm hearing is that these experiences or these memories, they're fragmented. They're not integrated into uh, one, say, coherent or secure network in our brain. And our job to heal the trauma is to make the memories that we have that were traumatic to us a co- clear, coherent story in our brain. Right. And not just in our brain, right, but also in our, our nervous system. It's, it's, right. it's very driven by our nervous system as well. Those triggers are, are the result of, um, they're, not, they're not integrated initially because there's no safety. PTSD or complex PTSD is rooted in not feeling safe, that there's, there's a constant sense of danger. And so not only do the issues with, with the midbrain and the brainstem need to be resolved, not only do the, the memories have to be integrated like what you said, but we also have to release those memories from the nervous system or from the, from the muscles. So for example, um, someone, someone doing body work, um, it, it's just a term, it's, it's, it's working with the body to release the memories from the nervous system, release the memories from the muscle. And so it can be done with brain spotting. There's a variety of different therapies that you can use. I'm going to use brain spotting because I'm more familiar with it personally, as well as professionally. Um, but someone doing body work using brain spotting, they may hit a gaze, right? They may hit a brain spot through gazing at a certain angle that causes them to shake. Or, you know, they may want to get up and, and move. Yeah. Because what happens is one of the, one of the ways that, one of the reasons that trauma stays in the body and in the nervous system is because the the person is not able to kind of move through the experience so for example if somebody is yeah i well let's say someone is assaulted and they don't have the ability to fight back right and they kind of maybe curl up into fetal and they get kicked or something right yeah they have no way to be able to release that energy. Right. Right. And that, that lack of safety. So. Um, I, 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 heard, I heard Eckhart totally say this really, really hilariously. He, he references ducks in a pond. They get in a fight and it's intense. They go, the ducks like get mad at each other. But if you watch the ducks, when they part ways, You'll, you'll watch the ducks flap their wings yes, and then they, they go on to life as normal. Yes. They've released the excess energy. Yes. So and what when, the, when, when they don't flap their wings, that becomes trauma held in the body and the nervous system. Yes. So yes. part of the work of doing trauma therapy is releasing that energy from, from the, the muscles and the nervous system. Yes. Yes. So that could be, that could be 
somebody uh, doing, you know, some brain-based or somatic-based therapy, and maybe they're processing through an assault, and they weren't able to punch back. So yes. part of the therapy is allowing them to punch back, punch back, go ahead, punch back, let it go. And in, and in punching back and allowing themselves to express this energy that's been pent up, the trauma is released and yes. a sense of safety is restored and they learn to live at peace. Yes. Yes. That's so powerful. Um, uh, it's insane. I, I, I had the same like, ah, moment when you were saying that too. It's like, wow. Um, um, well, I, I want to be very uh, conscious of our time. We're at time now, Lauren. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you for giving us uh, trauma one-on-one. I think that's what I'm going to name the podcast because this was um, okay. very, very beautiful for uh, taking us through how trauma uh, affects us and how it's much more common than we think. And also sharing the modalities that you work with. Um, I, there's so much, I, I have like a million more questions. So I'd love to have you back on um, at some point um, because yeah. this is just so valuable. Before we go, I'd love for you to maybe share a way that people can get in contact with you. Um, if they'd like to, to maybe try some therapy with you or just learn more. Well, so um, they, the best way to get a hold of me would be to contact me through either LinkedIn, mm -hmm. um, Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, last name Ba, B-A-A-H. And um, it would be the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Um, so they can connect me there, or connect with me there. There's an email address there. They can connect with me. Yep. Um, if people are local to, to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I work at an organization called the Women's Center and we provide, I work in the Rape Crisis and Victim Services Department and we provide trauma therapy to people who um, live predominantly in the Tarrant County area. So they could okay. call the Women's Center. They may not necessarily work with me, but we do provide trauma therapy for rape crisis and victim services. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Lauren. Uh, this was such a, such a pleasure for me and I'm sure everybody listening as well. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for asking. Bye, Brett.